This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 57. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morcus. Hey everyone, Tom Morcus here, and I wanted to take a minute to do a quick introduction to today's broadcast and the next few broadcasts that are coming out on In the Trenches. So the next few interviews you hear are actually interviews that were conducted originally for the magazine called Bootstrapped, but sadly, that was a magazine that I had started, but we didn't get past our second issue. So the third issue never came out, but I had all these great interviews that I wanted to highlight people on and some great stories. And the good part is that a lot of the format is the same. So I went through the same story um, of the, the founders um, and we dug into what creative stuff they were doing. So I wanted to release these on In the Trenches now so that people could at least hear them because it's really great material and these are people that are really worth listening to. And they'll probably be more of a business slant than usual. So I hope you enjoy. And if you have any questions, just email me at tom at insurgentpublishing.com. Let's get to it. All right, Bronson. Thanks so much for being on the call, man. And uh, the way I want to kick it off is just with you telling us a bit about yourself and what led you to what you're doing today with Growth Hacker TV. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a story with a lot of twists and turns, um, and I found that it's usually the way uh, success happens. You know, used to I thought it was a straight line between point A and point B. Um, I've come to realize there's a lot of zigzags. Uh, there's a lot of maneuvers you weren't expecting you had to make, um, but that's entrepreneurship. So it started um, kind of just me and my brother needing to find an income, and so we decided to go into business for ourselves, and it was really just you know survival. Um, there wasn't really a grand plan behind it, but as we did web development work for clients, we kind of learned that we don't like client work. It's not in our blood. And so we started thinking, okay, how can we get away from client work? And he's an engineer. I'm a designer, a marketer, that kind of guy. And so we started thinking about products and we started just kind of churning out these products and they were really bad. Um, but every time we put out a product, we learned something. We learned something about the internet, something about sales, something about, um, you know, getting customers and keeping them happy. And over time, we just kept putting out product after product after product. And then finally, the pieces kind of started to fall into place to where now we're putting out stuff that people are talking about and that people want to use. And so um, we finally got to the place where we were able to put out Growth Hunter TV. We kind of hit on a niche. We knew we could, you know, develop a product that people would love. And we were able to, you know, get subscriptions from it. And so really, it was just a long process of trial and error um, and being very, very persistent. So that's in a nutshell what happened. You can uh, maybe dig in yeah. more, you know, in any of those places you want. I'd love to, actually, before we get into the Growth Hacker TV and, and just growth hacking in general, I'd like to go back a little bit and, and talk a little bit more in depth about how you, how you actually came to Growth Hacker TV. What, because you said you did a lot of stuff and it wasn't really working. Um, tell us a little bit about that, like some of the trials and tribulations you went through. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we had the ability to build a product because, you know, I could design, he could engineer. So we sort of had the raw materials. So we would just come up with an idea and just kind of build it and see what we could get going. So we had one idea that was, uh, we called it cloud card. 
and it was like a business card in the cloud. I mean, it was, it was a lame idea. It was my idea. It wasn't any good. But uh, we built it, though, you know? So you had your little digital mobile website with all your information on it, and you can connect it to a QR code, and you can print this QR code and all your, you know, uh, meat space materials. And we actually sold some of them. I think we were selling it for like, I don't know, $7 a month or $11 a month or something. We're selling it to business professionals that didn't really know anything about the internet. And, you know, we got some income from it, but it wasn't really, nobody cared enough to like really push it over the edge. Uh, but, you know, we put it out there. We tried it. Uh, we put out something called Iconify, which was a way for photographers to have um, a portfolio that was a downloadable app on an iPhone or Android. Um, kind of a mobile app, you know, so it had an icon, but it wasn't actually a, an app in the app store. And, you know, we learned a lot with that one too. Um, with cloud card, we learned there was really no market for what we were building. So it was, you know, a solution without a problem. With Iconify, we learned that um, our price point was just way off. We were charging $5 a month and you can't really build a subscription business off $5 a month um, without a lot of volume. And we didn't have a lot of volume. And so the margins were just like not working in that business. So every time we learned one key thing, you know, how to get a better idea, how to get better margin. And over time also, my designs are getting better and his code is getting better. And we're just kind of learning as we go as well. So we just kept putting out stuff. And honestly, I can't even remember all the stuff we put out. Um, we had something called Punk Monthly, which is where we would build websites for people. And instead of charging them an upfront fee to build it, we would just say, you can charge, we'll charge you $99 a month and we'll give you the website for free. So it's a, high-end, nice website, custom design, custom code, but you basically rent it from us, even though it was made just for you. So that way we could get some recurring income coming in. Um, so we tried that. And that wasn't a terrible idea. It just wasn't a big idea. Um, and it was hard to kind of sustain that as well. So we tried this a lot of stuff. And every time there was something we learned that kind of we moved into the next thing. I love that. So I, I mean, I see the underlying... Um, connection between that and growth hacking itself. Uh -huh. you know, it sounds like what you were doing was just that. It was how do I grow something from scratch to something sustainable and, and more so something scalable. So yeah. you also mentioned that you kind of hit on with Growth Hacker TV that it was a niche and that it was both that. It was something sustainable. It was something you could, you obviously had margin uh, enough to, to grow it and to scale mm -hmm. it. So tell me though, why was it, was it just a business um, proposition then for Growth Hacker TV? What, or did you have interest in the concept of growth hacking? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually put out a course on growth hacking far before I started Growth Hacker TV. Um, and so what actually happened was after Iconify, I realized that Iconify wasn't a great product, but I ended up getting like, I think it was like ten to 15,000 users on it, even though it wasn't a good product. And I thought, man, that's good products have a hard time getting over 10,000 users. And this thing's not that good, and I have over 10,000 users. But it <laughs> right. did a lot of growth hacking. Like, I did a lot of things that felt natural to me, but were actually kind of clever, and, you know, it wasn't really in the mainstream. And so I didn't really know what to call it. But then as I started, you know, reading more and thinking about it, the first time the word growth hacker kind of popped on my radar, I thought, well, that's what I'm doing. I didn't know what to call it because it wasn't really traditional marketing, and I wouldn't even call it Internet marketing, even though it's on the Internet. It was something different I was doing. So then I thought, well, let me just put together all these little hacks that I did for Iconify, and I'll put them into a, a course. So I put the course up on Udemy. Um, they featured it. I sold you know, a bunch of those. And so then a guy in Naples, Florida, who uh, and I'm close to Naples, Florida, he actually took my course and then realized that me and him lived a couple miles apart. So he was like, hey, we got to get coffee. 
so we got coffee, and he's actually one of the co-founders of GoPacker TV now. Uh, we got coffee. We talked through some different projects, um, you know, some different scenarios that kind of work together. And then we kind of hit upon this idea of, you know, there's not a lot of content about growth hacking, even though we're super into it and there's a definite need for it. So it seems like there's not only um, a, a gap in the market, it seems like there's a market in that gap. There's, there's really something we can do to make money there. And so we just started throwing around ideas and, you know, and it kind of evolved through those conversations. We had these marathon uh, meetings at Starbucks. And, you know, by the end of the month, I mean, we had the idea down, we had screenshots, we had code getting written, and we had, you know, interviews getting booked. I mean, we just ran fast with it once we felt like we were onto something. Yeah. Wow. That's great stuff. Okay. A couple of things I want to dig into then because of that, that process I find really fascinating. Did you, when you went into that conversation, like after you kind of got to know um, your co-founder, well, before you know he was your co-founder, you just got to know him, mm-hmm. you messed around with his different ideas. When you guys started like getting to work on this concept, like whatever it might end up being before you, before it became what it is today, mm-hmm. um, did you know that it was going to take the team form of video interviews? Did you know what type of content you, well, you probably knew what kind of content you wanted to create it, but did you know what format, did you know what style, et cetera, et cetera, like how you deliver it, what, what mediums no. you use? No, not really, because at first we didn't even know what the idea was, so it was just exploratory on meeting one. Meeting one was, hey, I'm Bronson, you know, tell me about your skill set, tell me about your history, you know, let me know you a little bit. So, you know, the first meeting is just strangers meeting and realizing they have a mutual interest in startups and entrepreneurship, and then meeting two is, okay, let's maybe talk about doing something together, because, you know, we kind of hit it off, and we like each other, and we have a complementary skill set that matches well with my brother, who's the other founder. So it just kind of gets more and more clear over time. Um, there was never one meeting where everything happened. It was just slowly the fog lifts as you kind of progress forward with conversation and ideas. And at first, I wasn't even going to be the person doing the interviews. I didn't really want to be that person. I didn't feel the need to be that person. Um, but as we got closer and closer to the first interview and who was going to do it, um, we just kind of came to the decision as a team that, I was the best suited to do it because we did some trial runs and it came out well and that people had good feedback with me doing them. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll do it. I mean, you know, whatever it takes to make the, the, the product, make the startup work. So it wasn't that I was trying to be on, you know, video. It wasn't that I was trying to get a lot of notoriety. I was just trying to build a startup and the way to do that was to be behind the camera. Um, and so it's actually one of the roles I feel that I didn't even plan on filling. And so the idea just kind of progressed and then it became clear uh, but at first, it was very, very rough and raw. Sure. And so I'm curious about the the angle, and this is kind of a detailed question, but I just really am curious about it because I love the platform. I think that's some of the best education out there. I love what you guys have designed here and what you're delivering. When it comes to video, why video versus, say, podcasting or something like that? Why, why yeah. that? Well, I'll be honest. Um, it's because TV feels like it, you should pay for it. A podcast doesn't. So I knew if we just did a podcast, it could never be more than an inbound panel to some upsell. But if this was going to be the thing we charged for, even if it was a podcast at its core, it had to be marketed in such a way that it felt like more than a podcast. So that's why I chose the .TV. We actually have audio versions of all of our interviews that you can listen to on your mobile device when you're a subscriber. But if I call it a podcast, it's hard to charge a monthly fee for it. If I call it Growth Hacker TV, now there's a weight to it. It feels substantial. So honestly. It was marketing, and because we knew we were building a business, not just an inbound channel. Um, and so it was a very deliberate, strategic decision 
um, it wasn't really based on what media we were preferring. Sure. Okay. I love that. That's really fascinating to me. You, you know, when did you guys actually officially launch, um, you know, version 1.0 of Growth Hacker TV? Yeah, I believe it was May 1st of 2013. Um, it might have been wow. one of the last few days of April, but it was right around there. So, okay, so this thing has not been around for a while, but I feel like it's grown pretty substantially over a long period of time. That said, are you free to divulge any of the numbers, like in terms of statistics, like that you guys have gotten in terms of subscribers or hits or anything like that? Yeah, we don't really disclose any of the numbers, um, but we have thousands of subscribers. We just kind of leave it at that. Sure. No, that's fair. How do you how do you guys growth hack growth hacker TV? Yeah, I mean, really, at every phase, there's growth hacking going on. So to even get it started, because now we're kind of a a name in the startup world. But on day one, nobody cares about us. Like, we're not anybody. We've had no guests. We have no track record. We have no content. We are literally nothing except some guys sending out emails. So we had a growth hacker from day one. Day one, what we actually did is we went on to Clarity, and we would rent people's time. So we would consult with people for 30 minutes or an hour that we knew we wanted to interview on our platform. And so I would go on a call, and when you buy their time, they can't leave because they're actually paying for them to be there. And I would spend the call telling them why they need to come on Growth Hacker TV as one of our first guests. So we would pick people on Clarity that had businesses attached to them, which was sound impressive. So we got the guy from Hulu. Uh, we got Dan Martell himself. We went after guys like that. And by the end of the call, because I'm a good salesman, they would say, all right, I'll come on and do an interview. I'd say, great. So then once we had a couple of those that we actually paid for to sell them on, then we would send out emails to other people saying, hey, the guy that grew Hulu came on and Dan Martell from Clarity came on. We'd love to have you as a guest. And every time we got a new guest, we would add them to the roster that gets put in the business development email to get more guests. And before you knew it, it was hard to say no because we would literally email a person and say, look, these 20 people have come on the show. Why don't you come on also? It's going to be right next to all these ballers. And once you have that much momentum, um, it's, now it's easy to get interviews. Now we just you know, email basically whoever we want, and they're probably going to come on. Um, and so you know, we started with a growth hack. And every step of the way, there's been growth hacks as a part of it. Uh, you know, one of the big things we did is what we call the ombre bar. When you go to the site, if it's your first visit, you get this thing that pops down from the top of the website, and it says, hey, ombre, it looks like this is your first visit. Here's the deal you can get if you make a decision in the next 60 minutes. And then this timer pops up, and it just starts ticking down from 60 minutes. So now you have 60 minutes to make a decision about putting in a credit card to get whatever the incentive is that we're giving right then. And that one little hack, I think it doubled our conversions. I mean, there was just an obvious spike on the graph. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but, it, you know, we look at the graph and there's where we put the ombre bar in. So we did things like that. I mean, we did, we built our own ad network where we had different blogs be a part of our ad network and they would each give clicks to each other. So it's kind of a, a click sharing network, but half of all the clicks went back to Growth Hacker TV and the other half were inventory for the other blogs. So basically we had all these blogs pointing back to us without us having to pay for actual ad space because we built the network that they're playing on. So we did stuff like that. We did referral programs, you know, we did, um, you know, all kinds of our stuff. So really, I mean, every time we do an interview, we get an idea and we try to put it into practice and see if it works for us. <laughs> That's awesome. No, and I've seen all these things like in, in practice because it's just, it's really cool seeing it firsthand and then hearing you talk about it because I see them and I'm like, yeah, it's really brilliant. Um, and I guess that's I guess that's part of being a growth hacker, though, is to create 
creativity of it. Um, you know, the, any, any, there's a lot of people that can code, of course. There's a lot of people that can design. But you have to have kind of a creative mindset to actually be a growth hacker. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. I think the best growth hacks come when the left brain and the right brain are really firing together strong because you need the technical chops to know what's possible or what's feasible or what's cost-effective. You need to understand the engineering just enough to know what you can actually do in the real world. But you also need this artistic, creative side where you see things differently. You don't just use the technology the way everybody else is. You actually think, how else can that API be used? What else can I do with this data? How else can I connect these dots to grow or retain somebody? And when you put those two together, the left brain, the right brain, the art with the science, then you come up with some really powerful growth hacks where you're tapping into not only technology, but psychology. And when you put technology and psychology together, it is a very powerful punch. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Um, so, you know, you, you, I'm glad you covered both sides of this because on the one side of the coin, you're, you're going after great, like you're going after curating or, or creating great content. So there's that aspect to it. And then the second aspect is actually getting users, um, you know, onboarding and all that, that, mm-hmm. that, that marketers talk about and, and entrepreneurs talk about. Um, you know, what, what has been, if, if there is anything, because you mentioned a few different growth hacks that you guys have used. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind um, when it comes to getting new users, getting new subscribers that was like far and away the best technique you used? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it changes over time because you do something and sure. it, it works until it doesn't. And so you have to always be evolving and always have your hand and your heart, you know, on the pulse of what the staff are saying now, not what they used to say, because channels change, you know, in unique ways. So one of the things we did, um, well, I guess what at the heart of it is everything is really basically leveraging someone else's audience. I mean, if you think about it, if you buy an ad on the Google search engine, you're leveraging Google's audience. Now we call it pay-per-click, but really it's just leveraging an audience that they have if you guest blog posts, you're leveraging someone else's audience that they have on their blog. If you buy you know, ads on Twitter, you're leveraging the eyeballs on Twitter. Basically, anywhere that you can get users from, there's a way to either get them for free or to barter for them or to pay for them. And so everything at its heart is leveraging what someone else has built up in terms of eyeballs. I mean, that's the core of every bit of growth you're going to get. Um, and so we did all those, you know, but... We guessed blog posts, and that helped. Um, but that would just give us little bumps. It wasn't like they were game changers, but it got the ball rolling, which is sometimes all you need. Um, one of the things we did that was surprisingly useful was doing um, business development deals with book publishers. So we went to Penguin, and we actually got our promo code into Ryan Holiday's book on growth hacking. So while you're reading the book on growth hacking, he actually quotes me in the book, and then he ends the book with a promo code to Growth Hacker TV to get a couple months for free. And so all these people that bought the book are perfect for our audience. They've already qualified themselves as perfect, you know, user for Growth Hacker TV. And we can go a promo code right when they're excited about it because they just finished the book. And so we had a tremendous amount of signups because Penguin's obviously going to, you know, put a bit of marketing effort into their book. So we leveraged Penguin to get promo codes into people's hands. And we used the psychology of something free to get them to sign up. Here's a few months for you. Um, so that was something that worked really well. I mean, honestly, Every week, there's some new thing we're trying. So I actually don't remember probably half the stuff that we've done, even if it works. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that. Okay, so now you're you're sitting on this platform that's that's you know it's it's blown up uh, for good reason. 
you, you well deserved. You guys have, have earned it every step of the way. What are your next? What What are you at right now that you're doing? If you can discuss it, unless it's like super secret. But are there any? Is there anything you're trying to put in play right now that you find is is going to be that is going to be the next step for you guys to grow your platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is one thing that is super secret, so I can't say anything about that. But I can tell you um, where we're trying to go with Co-Founder TV, which is we're going to make it a platform for great conversation, not just Bronson interviewing people. And what that means is we're starting to have on these other CEOs interviewing other CEOs of companies that we know. And so that way you're getting different kinds of dialogue around growth and different companies talking about the growth to other companies. And so we actually have, uh, like tomorrow actually, um, Rand Fishkin from SEO Moz is interviewing the CEO of WP Engine. And so that's one example. And they're actually doing an interview tomorrow morning, I think. And so I'm not even involved in that interview. Rand came up with the questions. Rand's going to lead the interview and they're going to talk about their business throughout. And then we have kind of a machine now where we get that video file back and it, you know, it goes off to our VAs. It's edited. It's uploaded to the website. It's automatically published. So basically we can just start having these great conversations happen. And we don't really have to be in the loop anymore to have this publishing uh, machine do its work. Um, so that's one piece of it. We're also going to start trying to get more recipes as a platform as well. So as we find people that are able and willing to write great recipes, we're going to start giving them an outlet to do that on the site. Because I've written the first you know, 13 or 15 on there, whatever. Um, with, but it's hard work because they have to be unique. They have to be insightful. Um, they have to work. And to have one person writing recipes, it's really hard because I want it to be something that's been tried. I just don't want to write about stuff that I haven't tried. But if I get other people involved, they have a lot of experiences that I don't have and a lot of insights I don't have. So we're going to start becoming really more of a platform for intelligent conversation and intelligent content and less of the Bronson show um, on purpose. Yeah, I know. I love it. I love the recipes, too. I'm about to reach out to you with some ideas. I'm curious, though. Here's, here's something I don't know if you've thought of. At what point, and this is just the nature of the beast with growth hacking, you said you always have to be trying something new. At what point, like when you put something out there as education, does it essentially like negate itself because it's already out there and then people use it and then its effect fades? Have you ever thought about that? I know that's kind of a deep question, but... No, no, no. Actually, I mean, it's something you have to think about. Here's the way I, I consider it is, you know how used to everybody thought it was all about ideas? You know, hey, sign this NDA because I got a great idea and I don't want you to steal it. So before we even talk about it, make sure you sign this NDA. And then we kind of evolved as an ecosystem in the startup world to a point where NDAs are a joke. It's like, look, everyone has the idea for Facebook, but Mark Zuckerberg built it. Like, that's the difference, right? So it doesn't matter if you have the idea for it. It doesn't matter what ideas come in and out of your mind. The same thing is true with growth hacking. I can write a recipe that literally tells you how I grew something on Growth Hacker TV, but that's like the idea. Because if you don't execute on it with skill and persistence, then you won't be able to use it to grow hack. And so it's one of those things, like you hear these college football coaches, they say, I could give the other team my playbook, and it doesn't mean they could stop us. I actually believe that. It's so hard to execute well. I could tell you what I'm doing, even if you're a competitor, and it would be hard for you to stop me because I have momentum. I have insight. I have the right team. I have the know-how. Um, and so I don't think I'm afraid to share growth hacks because I know how hard it really is to growth hack anything. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite a bit of time and effort, even if you have the playbook. It's, it's, it's a lot of effort to put it into practice. Yeah, so absolutely. And so my question for you, and this is going to be the last one before we wrap up with your, your information. For the bootstrapper just starting out, doesn't have a lot of money. 
Um, has maybe have some time or maybe he's, he's working on it part time or, you know, kind of, uh, side hustling it. Any bits of advice for that person just starting out with an idea, like essential things that they have to do or, or what's, what's important for them to consider as they're just starting out? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of things, honestly. Um, and that's the way I started. I've never taken a VC dollar in my life. Um, I've had the chance to a few times, but it just, it didn't feel like the way I wanted to build my businesses. And I like the freedom that comes from bootstrapping. And so bootstrappers are near and dear to my heart. I think there's something about them that's uh, pretty unique in the world. I think it's one of the harder ways to build a company. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to bootstrap it, you have to be um, so tenacious. Like, you can't be the kind of person that gives up on the 13th try when it doesn't work. I mean, you have to be almost absurdly persistent to the point that everyone thinks you're off in the head a little bit because you know you're getting closer to the goal. Um, because when you don't have money to play with, everything has to be kind of firing on all cylinders for the world to like not just, you know, disregard what you're doing. And so you have to be persistent. Um, also I would say when you're thinking about your idea early on, don't just think in terms of the market in general, think of someone that you can sell it to, like actually know who the guy's name is that you think will buy this. Because sometimes we get caught up in thinking, Oh, there's a market because of this broad interest that I see in the world. But you have to get really specific because here's what's going to happen. You're going to build something, and yeah, that broad market might exist, but you don't know how to get in touch with them. You don't know how to talk to them. You don't know if they're going to buy it. You have to actually let the rubber hit the road and go sell something. And so I would say you have to be very detailed early on about what it is you're selling for how much and to who and why they're going to buy it, um, or you're just going to find yourself in a position where you don't have enough money to reach the market unless you already know how you're going to reach them on a budget. So you have to really think through getting to your market with the cash flow that you have. So those would be a couple pieces of advice. Awesome. Bronson, I really love it. Um, I know people can reach out to you at Growth Hacks TV. We'll make sure that's, uh, that's annotated properly in the, um, in the interview. Uh, anywhere else that you want me to lead people or to, to share this content with? Yeah, I mean, they can just go to uh, bronsontaylor.com, um, and from there you'll kind of see my links to everything. So. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you're interested in checking out the show notes, just head over to tomworkus.com slash podcast to see our latest episodes. Also, I just wanted to give a quick update to fans and listeners of In the Trenches and specifically what I'm working on right now. For the past two years, I've been publishing books, my own and others, through Insurgent Publishing, my boutique publishing company. In the past six months alone, I've helped four individual authors launch their books to bestseller on Amazon, including Dan Norris's The Seven Day Startup and David Nihil's Do You Talk Funny, among others. And both of those books are still top of the charts months after launch. I've learned two important things from all this. Number one, that people still read books. And believe it or not, they're willing to pay for the good ones. And number two, the $60 billion book industry is only getting bigger and the barrier to entry is only getting lower, which means access to this market has never been closer to the average writer, blogger, or author. It is literally within the grasp of anyone who wants it. But you need to know how to approach it the right way, with patience, with a strategy, and with the right implementation and execution. That's why I've been able to launch so many bestsellers, many that are still top of the charts, because we brought great books to the people who wanted and would pay for them. No slimy sales tactics, just honest, powerful marketing. Now, I want to show other authors and publishers how to do the same. 
four months ago, I launched the pre-beta to a new super secret platform called Publishers Empire. In that time, I've helped a dozen authors and publishers start to bring their ideas to life. And with their help and feedback, we've quickly developed what is, in my opinion, the best, most comprehensive publishing training platform in the world. And now I'm getting ready to open the doors up to a few more students. So if you're interested in being part of a tight-knit family of publishers who help and support one another through their writing and publishing projects, if you want access to over 100 HT training videos to take you through the writing and publishing process, if you want access to proven copy and paste book marketing and sales copy, stuff that we've used to launch bestsellers, and if you'd like professional book covers and templates you could plug your own work into and look like a pro in minutes, and if you'd like all of that while getting the chance to be mentored by me, check out publishersempire.com and sign up to be notified when we launch. That's www.publishersempire.com. I hope to see you there. As always, this is Tom Morcus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.